Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. This is Steve, here with some special guests. We have Aragorn and Bericles, did I get that right? Bericles, roar! (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. It's not actually Aragorn and Bericles. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Colin and Berent. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. It's good to be here. We're uh, ending the 20th. Uh, what is it? The 2020s. This will be pretty sweet. Woot, woot. Yeah, and that Aragorn Bericles, or whatever it is, I can't even say it anymore, <laughs> name, is due to our, the system we're using. They decided to join with random names and didn't tell each other they were going to both do it at the same night. So, yeah. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but today, we're going to have a special episode. We're going to talk about the best games of 2020. Let's hope it's better than the year. <laughs> but before we do that, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. This week, we'd like to thank Kenny Goodenow, a co-op MVP, Sandra Basil, a co-op lover, and Marco Finnis, a co-op fan. Thanks to you, Patreon supporters, and everyone who helps supporters, if it's through Patreon or Discord or Twitch or whatever. Love you guys. You guys are helping us keep this content going. Okay, with that, let's jump into the top games of 2020. So this should be a fun list. We're going to cover different topics. We'll talk about Game of the Year, of course. Talk about hidden gems, surprises, letdowns, and our most anticipated game coming up in 2021. Sounds great, Steve. I'm excited to jump into these lists. Since I feel like 2020 was a surprise for us, (laughs) at least for everyone (laughs) in the world, um, let's start with our biggest surprise. So this is a game that, I mean, maybe it was something about it that, that... you weren't ready for or something that came out that you weren't expecting or maybe if you have other criteria we'll, we'll talk about that but uh bear do you want to start us off sure i've got a really awesome game that was a huge surprise to me in 2020 i originally played this game two years ago and when i played it in the state it was in i thought it was a train wreck i thought there was no way this was going to do any good and i was super super bummed and that's aliens a glorious day in the core this game i've just been playing recently and it's just been hitting the channel it's phenomenal. I was so impressed with all the tuning and the fine like refiguring and all the different tweaks they've done to this game to really make it feel like the Aliens movie itself. I know it, it kind of sounds a little weird, but um, when I started playing it at Gen Con, it just kind of felt like a really bad version of, oh, what's that game? Zombicide. And I don't even own a Zombicide game, so if that tells you anything about my love for Zombicide... <laughs> and I was super disappointed because, of course, this is the IP I've been waiting for since 1989 or something when Leading Edge Games put out a game based on the Aliens franchise. They had the rights. They had the pictures. They had everything. But their mechanics looked so bad. But now that I got the game in my hands, I started playing it. It's it's so fun. It feels like the movie. There's tension all the time. You never know if you're gonna if your hero's gonna be there or not because these aliens might get to him. Ah, oh, it was such a great surprise. Super fun to play, and I'm really excited to tell you that it is my biggest surprise of 2020. So I got to ask uh, Barrett because the three of us played the Leading Edge game for Extra Life earlier this year, and that was a blast playing it just because it was just silly and ridiculous. Like the game, the Leading Edge game has its faults for sure. But it was still a fun, a really fun experience to play with. Does this game replace that for you, or is there aspects that you like uh, of both that are better and worse, different? That is a fantastic question. These both of those games are going to have a place on my shelf. Both of those games are going to be taken down to have a great Aliens experience, and they are a little bit different. The one from Gale Force Nine, the Glorious Day in the Core game, it has its mechanics are more fine tuned, and it has more of a I wouldn't, it's less of a, the leading edge games had a lot of randomness to it, which really was its forte into making it feel like the movie. It's, you never knew where these aliens are going to come from, things like that. This one you do, but in this game, it kind of makes it harder to keep on attacking these aliens. You have to try to get out. You have to try to do things. Both these games do a fantastic job of doing the movie. I can't replace either one. Both of them are fantastic and I would play any one of those at any time. So I'm going to like kind of totally skip over your question and say both are good. <laughs> awesome. Can I ask for the new Aliens game, when you play through the missions, are they replayable? Are things going to change? 
or now that you've played through the three missions, is it going to be their very similar experience and there's not going to be that surprise anymore? Good question. Actually, there's a ton of replay value in this game. I was, again, really surprised by that. It's very similar to the way the Leading Edge games goes. You start in the same spot. You start with the same stuff. Well, not exactly. In the Glorious Day in the Core game, you can actually load out your characters however you want. There's really nothing holding you back except for the amount of stuff that you can carry in certain places, like only one weapon, one secondary, and two equipment. What you put there is totally up to you. You can do it whatever you want. You can be like the movie, not be like the movie. You can do whatever you want. Um, and then uh, once that, after you set up your characters and you put them down, then it's it'll start very similar, but there's these motion tracker cards. These are how the aliens spawn, and you never know which one is going to spawn. You don't know how they're going to spawn. They don't know how you're going to react to you. That's kind of the way that this game is going to keep on being replayed over and over. And on top of that, you also have an endurance deck that you can draw from the heavy vents, which are going to be things you can play to help you. Also, when there are hazards, which are going to be things that are going to hinder you. And again, you never know which one you're going to draw. And you can't forget the dice. Oh, dice are so fun. They also make sure that this game is never going to be the same. So what you're saying is that there are certain elements within the game that allow for that replayability, but the scenarios themselves will stay the same. You'll have the same objectives when you replay them. It's just how they will play out, which will make a different experience for you. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, also, if you get the Marines pack, you get another set of like six characters that have their own abilities, and uh, each character has kind of their own abilities. So you can also mix and match different Marines to kind of create different play styles based on your like Marine group that you're bringing through the game. After talking about Aliens, another glorious day in the core, I have to hear about somebody else's biggest surprise. So I'm going to make that alien jump over to Colin. <laughs> Thanks, Baron. Yeah. So for me, what I did is I actually chose an expansion and a, and a base game. So for an expansion for me, it was the Atomic Bonds expansion. I absolutely hated just like beyond all beans. I hated Fallout, the board game. I played it. I was so excited to do a playthrough on the channel and I, I played it. I was really excited for how that game was going to play out. And then when I played the base game, I immediately sold it. It was it was not for me. Uh, so then when I heard about the Atomic Bonds, which is very similar to the Runebound Unbreakable Bonds expansion, makes it fully co-op, provides every scenario in the base game can turn into fully cooperative a fully cooperative experience, I decided to leap in with, a, you know, uh, trying it. And if I couldn't didn't like it, I could just sell it. Well, I ended up loving it. I loved it so much. I'm painting the minis uh, and I'm planning on doing more plays of that game. I'm super, super happy with that game now. Uh, there was a lot of great mechanics in the game, but I felt like it was poorly implemented for a solo gamer and even really competitive. And so now with this Atomic Bonds, I feel like I can play it the way that I want. So that was the expansion that I was surprised by the most. Yeah, when I played the Fallout game, I felt like, especially the core game, it didn't really have an identity when I played it. It's hard to describe that, but like when I'm playing, it's like, cool, I'm doing this thing, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be competitive or cooperative or solo I just i didn't know what to do with it there were some cool concepts in it i liked a lot me and elijah we sat down and tried to you know like can we house rule it to be cooperative i'm like cool and when we did that i'm like okay i'm liking this a lot more now and then the first expansion had a cooperative snare in it we played it that way and then like you said this atomic bonds came out and made it fully cooperative and then it finally felt like okay this feels like it was meant to be at least in my opinion so i was really excited that the they went double down, finally went in with full cooperative scenario for that game. Yeah, unfortunately, though, is to get that experience, you have to buy a base game and at least one expansion. Now, the Atomic Bonds expansion is not expensive. It's a small box, but you will very likely want to get the middle expansion as well because it adds a different scenario as well as the larger boards uh, and more enemy types and, uh, you know, just a lot more stuff. I'm glad about it. I'm super glad about it, but it is a lot to buy into. So I do recommend watching some videos on Atomic Bonds before you decide to put money into it. But I personally am really glad that I did because it is definitely a game that I personally like now. So that's the expansion. Now, the base game or just, you know, a, a regular game that came out this year that I was super surprised by. I backed Warp's Edge. Really, you know, I saw Mike's playthrough, thought, you know what, it'll be great. I'll play it 10 to 15 times. I'll sell it. Well, when I actually got the final copy of that game and I played it, I, I played it so much that my son, who is seven years old, is now playing the game solo as well. He enjoys it so much uh, as well. And so 
I'm I'm impressed with that game. I'm impressed with how much I want to just come back to it and how quick it is to play. I love the bag building. I've always loved that mechanic. But what game can you think of that's a cooperative game that's bag building? There's not really any. And so having a cooperative bag builder is really fun. And actually, I shouldn't say it's cooperative. It's solo only. Uh, Mike is trying to work on a variant for cooperation bag building. That sounds super cool. That'd be my only complaint about is I wish you could actually play cooperative. Currently, it's only solo, uh, but it's super fun solo. And I was very surprised by that game, how much it, you know, it was quick to play. It was I felt very tactile in the game. There's lots of choices to make. Uh, definitely one that I was impressed with. Yeah, Warp Sheds looked really good, especially on the Kickstarter. I was ex- excited about it. But it was also solo only, and I don't really get excited about solo only games very often. So I'm hoping it comes back to Kickstarter with an actual implemented cooperative mode because it looked like a really fun game. Yeah, that's my hope too, Steve. And it, you know, fingers crossed that if that doesn't happen, at least Mike can maybe make a sweet variant for it. But yeah, that's my biggest surprise, Steve. What about you? Yeah, my biggest surprise is I'm picking because a portion of the game I was not expecting to like as much as I enjoyed, and it's actually going to be Reichbusters. Uh, I found the card play in that game was absolutely fantastic. It was every time I sat down to play the game, and the game has has some faults for sure, and they're pretty glaring. But the main aspect of the game, where you're running through a a weird War II setting, and you only have a couple actions you can do, and they're they're very very restrictive. You can't do the same action twice even, and so you're it forces you to play the cards off your hand, and the cards are all multi multi use. And they're very cooperative too, and how you can how you can chain them together. But one thing that I loved a lot about it is each character normally has this super amazing, awesome move they can do. And some of them can like just unload log cards in a row. Some of them can like just clear out entire rooms or entire column of rooms. And it just it wound up being really fun to try to figure out like how does this character work? How would I make play these cards out to make him feel really powerful? How can I play my cards to help you out? My uh, when playing cooperatively. And just that really engaging card play gets me every time. Steve, I'm so glad that you enjoyed that game. And you may hear about this game in my list later. We'll see. Oh, game of the year. Game of the year. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's move on to the next category, the hidden gem. Colin, why don't you start this one off this time? Thanks, Steve. Yeah, you know, just in typical Colin fashion, I've got two games for this one. My first one is Five Minute Mystery. This game, I feel like, flew a little bit under the radar. And it's, you know, you've played, if you've played Five Minute Dungeon or Five Minute Marvel, this one is, is, is quite different. You're actually trying to solve a case, a quick case about a certain case that's on your app about, hey, someone stole your MacGuffin. That's one of the first ones, which basically means stole a random item. <laughs> and you're trying to find out who it is within five minutes. But it's so fun to play and it's quick and you're doing this, you know, you're searching for sim- uh, certain symbols on a card. If you find all those symbols, then you can flip over a tile and you try and match it to your culprit. And you're trying to do that within the five minute period. I can't believe how much fun that game is. And it works great for young and old with my fi- with my seven year old. He really enjoys it. And then all the way up to my parents will play that game with me and also really enjoy it. So that was one of the hidden gems for me. The other one is the Stygian Society. This one I did a playthrough on in the channel as well. And this one, you have a dice tower. Uh, I shouldn't say dice tower, a cube tower. And you're dropping cubes down out of a tower. And depending upon what cubes come down, your enemies might activate or you can activate your abilities. You can also drop down cubes for your teammates. They can use in future rounds. It's so cool. It's a little bit of a longer game than what I think the game needs to be. And you can definitely tell it's a Kickstarter. It's not a, you know, it doesn't feel fully produced, but the game experience is quite enjoyable. And if you get past a couple of those items, you can really enjoy your game. Colin, I need to borrow five minute mystery from you. I, after hearing you talk about it and actually seeing your playthrough, that game looks phenomenal. I'll, I, I might, I might, or I might just have to go pick out a copy. I mean, it can't be too much. It's a five minute game. Yeah, I really think your wife would enjoy that one a lot. And it'd be one that you guys are playing your D&D game. If you finish early, play for five minutes, literally. There, you know, there are some scenarios that are seven minutes. There's one that's nine minutes. And then there's a couple that are three minutes. So they've got different ones in there. And you can borrow it anytime. It's so much fun. Now, Sticking Society, have you ever actually won it? I know last time we tried playing it, uh, 
We didn't get very far, and I know we hadn't get, gone very far last time we talked about it, but I'm curious. Good question, Steve, and the answer is I've won it one time, and that was with my son. <laughs> That's the only time I won. I'm going to blame it on him and his really lucky cube dropping. I mean, he was <laughs> dropping cubes, and all the enemy cubes kept getting stuck in there, and we kept doing awesome things, uh, but that does not always happen. Now, it's really funny. If you look up online, some people are going to tell you that the game is easier than pie, and then you're going to see other people saying it's harder than, you know, a rock. So I have no idea why. Some of the rules were missing in the game, and so you have to go to an FAQ, which is uh, unfortunate. And so I don't know if they're missing those rules, and so that's why they think it's easier. I personally feel like the game is a good challenge. I've only won it once out of the seven times I've played, but every time I've played, I've had a lot of fun. And to me, that's what you want in the game. So those are my hidden gems. Barrett, what are your hidden gems for 2020? Oh, my hidden gems were so hard to find. I had played a lot of kind of bigger games this year, and it was kind of tough to find a couple gems. So I'm kind of tweaking the category a little bit because I don't have a lot of really good gems. Um, one that actually came to my attention that actually it I'm calling it a 2020 because I got to play the Kickstarter prototype, and that was Island Something Shiny. Sure, this game is going to be coming out next year, but it's this fantastic card-driven like story game that can be played with adults or kids, it is going to be, I think, more catered towards kids, but it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, but also you're kind of gaining resources to try to complete these quests and these different missions, and I was really, really impressed by Ice Makes Games making this game. That was a fantastic, like, little game that I think is going to fly under the radar people aren't even going to know about. Now, of course, it was Kickstarter. It's not coming till next year, but I kind of cheated a little bit by saying I got to play it in 2020, so that's kind of how I'm going to go <laughs> Now I'm also going to cheat again, and I'm going to say my other hidden gem of 2020 actually was Machina Arcana, because it's not, again, a company that's, it's not a, like, Fantasy Flight Games big company. Machina Arcana is a small company, and their game has got this, like, really good cult following, and I'm glad I got to become part of it. Now, of course, I'm cheating a little bit because I got it January 8th, or January 9th of 2020, so technically it hit my 2020 plays. Of course, it's the second edition. So again, a little cheating. But it does have some extra stuff in it that the original one didn't. All its rules got enhanced. And of course, it has completely redid all their art on their cards and everything. So I call it pretty much a new game. So Market Arcana is my other hidden gem. I really, really thought that game shined. It was a super fun dungeon crawler that really had that like tough aspect to it. And they have these different missions you can do that don't really link together, but they kind of have this overarching big kind of story about kind of what is going on in this kind of world. So those are my two hidden gems. I know they kind of I kind of cheated a little bit on that category. Yeah, I really like that Isla game quite a bit. It was a it's just a artworks grades, very, very simple, like execution of the game, very clean. But the choices are meaningful and it was kind of a fun little puzzle, especially if you played on the harder mode. Uh, I feel like on the easier mode, it's good for families and kids, but I wouldn't expect my son to win on, on the hard mode at all. Like, you need, in my opinion, an adult to be involved in the game playing on that level. Now, when I sit down with a bunch of, you know, a gamer group with a bunch of adults and play that, pull the game out, uh, no, probably not. But it's it's a good game. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't take it out with a bunch of adults, but with my, my kid, yeah, totally do the A side. But, man, that B side... Wow, I got rocked. I didn't even make it even halfway before I found out, oh, my character didn't make it through the first mission on the hard mode. It was <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. hard. <laughs> you have to be really efficient with your moves, which is surprising in such a simple game. Agreed. And I'm really excited, Baron, because Baron is allowing me to borrow his copy of Machina Arcana, Arcana, and I'm going to be doing Chapter 2 on the One Stop channel very soon. I actually have it set up on the table. I've done a little bit of a practice play, and I'm excited for that one. I can definitely see why Barrett likes that game. However, uh, Barrett cannot roll a D10 at being less than a 7, uh, <laughs> and so he spawns so many enemies. Hopefully, that will not happen for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely excited to see what that one has to offer, and then I'll be handing it right back to Barrett to do Chapter 3, so it'll be fun. It will be. I'm looking forward to this. So after cheating on that category, I'm sure I know somebody that doesn't cheat in any game, and that's Steve. Steve, what's your hidden gem? Apparently you don't watch our Twitch stream very often. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't played Lord of the Rings with him, huh? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, my hidden gem is I was trying to figure out a game that no one's really talking about that this one could have been on uh, my biggest surprise, 
but I felt like because no one's talking about it, it felt, felt better for the hidden gem. And this is another Scott Alms game. So apparently he's doing well on our 2020 game of the year list. And that is Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. This one was just a small package. You cram a lot in these, these boxes. But the the play of this was really, really fun. Now, I played it. It's only designed to be solo or competitive. And those worked fine, either one. And the solo mode, I've never won. The AI is super, super challenging, that game. They haven't even that come that close to it, honestly. But I have so much fun playing, I don't mind. And I even played cooperatively that way as well, where we played the full player count, but threw the AI in there as well, but just tried to like, hey, can any one of us beat beat the AI? And kind of, you know, house root a little bit that way. And we still didn't come close to beating them. <laughs> so the AI is really, really challenging this game. Maybe that might be put off to some people, but if you like a big challenge, you might not like it. But man, having this, these dinosaur meeples, cute little meeples running around and trying to like, uh, manage your you're basically a farm right um so like a, a agricola or caverna type game or a dinosaur island uh, very similar uh, theme in that one as well and just really really like this game it was a, a big big surprise for me you know i've never been the biggest fan of the tiny epic series so it's always fun steve to hear you talk about them because i just haven't played a lot of them so glad that you enjoyed that one i didn't realize you enjoyed that one so much yeah i enjoyed the, the execution of it and my son loves dinosaurs too so he was excited to play it also a type of game that i've had other versions in my collection at some point like i've had caverna played agricola i have i haven't played dinosaur island yet but honestly after playing this version of tiny epic dinosaurs i feel like i'm okay with this filling that void like caverna i don't need to hang on to anymore um, not saying that this is necessarily better than Converter, but for what I want, this takes less space on my shelf, and I enjoy it. Continuing on with our list, we're going to bring it from a high note to a low note. We're going to talk about our letdown of this year. But don't worry, we'll bring back up with the game of the year after this. So letdown being some type of game that, for whatever reason, it just didn't work for you. And for me, I feel like this was a pretty easy choice for me. And I feel bad saying it. Because it's not a bad game, honestly. It really isn't. But I had super high expectations, and it I'm struggling to make it work for me. And that game is AltaQuest. I absolutely love Street Masters. It is a top five game for me. Just excellent. I can pop it out and play it in like 45 minutes up to an hour. So especially if there's solo, can maybe get down to 30 potentially, depending on what I'm doing. And it's just amazing every time i just love how that game flows and alta quest i was excited about it because it's fantasy you're going through this dungeon i'm excited for that type of thing but every time i bring it to the table it just uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't work the way i was hoping to for it to work like you kind of run into a room you clear it out and you move to the next room and you clear it out and i like a lot of the concepts going on with it but i, I don't know if it's part of me that i'm comparing it too much to street masters but I'm struggling trying to pick that game over Street Masters to hit my table. If I didn't have Street Masters, I'd probably pl have no problem playing AltaQuest, uh, I, I think, even though it is a long game. But the fact that it is so much longer than Street Masters and I had enjoyed Street Masters more, I'm like, well, why would I not just play that? So that's my that's my letdown of the year, AltaQuest. I have been having a blast playing AltaQuest, Steve, and it's too bad to hear that you're not really getting it. Um, or not at least it's not doing what you're hoping it would do for you. I've play I've played a few games with Colin. I actually don't own it. Colin does, and it's been really a blast going over and playing with him. Um, I do see to me if I was trying to run that without him there, it may have been a little bit of a struggle at first, and it may have not necessarily disappointed me, but it might have frustrated me with all the different decks, all the different things going on. But being able to just kind of go over, have Colin explain it, and he'd run most of the game, and I just kind of get to enjoy the game, I think really, really sells it for me. I would have no problem picking this game up if I found it. I, I actually really do enjoy this, and it's so sad to hear that it doesn't hit your mark, Steve. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not like I, I don't have fun playing, because I do enjoy it. And even my wife, when playing with her, she enjoys it too, and we have a lot of fun playing it. It's just with where my expectations were and what I was what I was hoping to get out of it, just it's just not going to hit the table when compared to Street Masters for me. And that's that's the biggest problem I'm running into with it. Yeah, and I think Baron, one of the things that you have to take into account is that we did do some house ruling for the game to make it kind of work for us. 
And so I, I do think that uh, without that, I'm not entirely sure. And actually, why don't I go next on our letdowns? Because I did put this as a secondary letdown, actually, as Alter Quest. Now, I'm still keeping it. I'm still really enjoying playing it with Varent. But it was a letdown from the fact that I absolutely love the design of the Warhammer Adventure card game. And I really enjoy uh, Heroes of Terranoth. Now, I never got into Street Masters, and that's mostly just because of the theme. And Brook City, I also didn't really get into. But so I was super, super stoked for Alter Quest. And when it came, I'm still enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying it nearly as much as what I was thinking I was going to. Uh, and I was it's a bummer that I felt like I had to house rule the game to make it work for me, d- dealing with the difficulty level. Uh, now, you know, Steve and I have had very different experiences with the difficulty level and i'm not entirely sure why that is but for for us it's been ridiculously easy like to the point where it's boring and so um if you we just recently did the second playthrough of the campaign and not to give any spoilers on uh, the actual scenario but we just rocked it i mean at the end of the game i had three points of damage and baron had two and that's it and it didn't feel like we had any stress or any urgency in the game. And so to, to me, that's what the bigger, biggest letdown of Alter Quest is, is that I was looking for something that was a little bit more gritty, a little bit more grindy. And I'm, I'm not getting that without doing some severe house ruling, you know, drawing an additional threat card. Actually, Steve suggested, and I love this idea, was instead of drawing an additional threat card in each room, you draw a lurker card after you draw your regular threat cards. And so that guarantees you an enemy and it also provides some variety. And I love that. And so going forward, I think that's what I'm going to do whenever playing Alter Quest is, is draw two you know, or threat cards equal the amount of players and then draw one lurker card just to give that little extra challenge. Because otherwise it seems like the game is somewhat of a walk in the park for us. And it just hasn't, and that's for me, I want a dungeon crawler to be a challenge. I want it to be, you know, you're within two to three health from dying. You're you're everything that you're doing. You're you're just trying to get to the end. And that's not how I have felt with Alter Quest. So for, for me, I had put this one as a bit of a letdown. Still enjoying it, though. And especially with the house rules, I am definitely enjoying it. And I'm going to keep the game. Uh, just a bummer that I had to I felt like I had to do those house rules to make it work. The, the other letdown for me was Reichbusters. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I played that game with Steve. Uh, I was super excited. I spent too much time trying to set that blasted game up on the table, getting all the decks in the right places, all the miniatures all together. And then, like, okay, Steve, let's get together. We play it for like two to three hours. And immediately after that, I messaged Baron. I'm like, Baron, do you want to do a play through this one? Because I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, I'd love to call it out. (laughs) There is literally almost nothing about that game that I like. I'm so glad that Steve enjoyed it, but there were times in that game where Steve was doing this amazing thing, right? He did his amazing ability and he could clear out a room, but he was rolling dice over and over again. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick this guy. I'm going to attack this guy. Okay, now I'm going to attack this guy. Okay, now I'm going to attack this guy. I literally sat down and started talking to Monica. It's like, he's still going. He's still going. <laughs> and now that's really cool. And maybe it would be better if we had played in person versus we were playing remote, obviously, because he's in North Carolina. I'm in Minnesota. But I just was not into that game at all. And so I was so excited for it, especially because Steve was so excited for it. And then unfortunately, it just didn't it didn't hit the mark for me, which is fine. Not every game has to. So just really glad that Steve enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, coincidentally, that's another game that... We also house rule, so it <laughs> seems to be a pattern here with our letdown games, the games we want to like, and just, uh, uh, at least with Reichbusters, its faults, I feel like, is just blaringly obvious. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> good because it's, it's like, okay, I know this is a problem, I can fix it. Cool, move on. Bad because why didn't they fix it in the first place, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm tracking you. Absolutely. So, but AltaQuest, like, it's a good game. It's 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 there. There's a lot of good pieces in it. And trying to tweak it to what we were talking about, what we wanted from it, it's hard to make that work because there's not a lot of bad like mechanics and things going on in it. It's just like the overall experience needs to be tweaked. And that's much harder to house rule than something that's like purely mechanical. Steve, I think you hit that right on the nose. That's a really, really good point is that 
you know, with a game like Reichbusters, it's easy to tell what the what the challenges are and how to fix those issues with the game. But you're right. I mean, that's part of the problem with Ultra Quest is all the mechanics are so sound. They feel like they should be so good. And then when you play it, you're like, well, there's just something missing. And what is that? And it... You know, we, we talk a lot about this. There's that 80% of design and uh, that's, you know, that big bulk that you do at the beginning of the, when you're designing a game. And then that last 20%, that's just putting that refinement in. And it just feels like UltraQuest is just missing that last 20% just to get it to be in that full production value game. Now, I still think it's a great game and I'm still enjoying it. I'm just going to have to do these house rules and modify those as I play the game because I, I want to enjoy it and I, am enjoying most of it. <laughs> okay, enough about these two games. Barrett, what is your biggest letdown for 2020? So my biggest letdown for 2020 was Reichbusters and Ultra... No, it wasn't either one of those. It was actually <laughs> a different game. <laughs> Mine actually was Horizon Zero Dawn. I backed this. I was super excited to get this game. Um, I thought that hearing about how it plays was going to be kind of cool because it had a solo, it had a co-op, and it even had like a semi-co-op but then i got it started playing it and realized this again maybe a house rule or two could maybe fix this but i don't know where you're gonna put the house rules in there's a lot of uh difficulty balance issues it's really easy or if things go bad it's really really bad there's not really a middle ground um when i play it i either totally wax everything and nothing happens or things can start snowballing so badly that you have no chance of getting out of the way. And I don't like that in a game. I like it to be like a back and forth or say, yeah, if you get a jump on something, you can take something out. That's kind of cool. That means you've played their strategies correctly. But if things start going downhill and you don't have a way to get out of it, it's really tough. Um, the way this works is your hunters going out to try to hunt a big game i guess you could say and it's set in the world of horizon zero dawn which is a playstation game um which is a pretty cool game i played it i liked it uh but that's beyond the point the problem is is you have this life deck that's also your uh, some of your abilities and things and it's they try to make it a stealth game but also a like fighting game at the same time and it didn't really i don't think it really worked also, the core box itself is so lacking in depth that you play it once, you never have to play it again. I mean, because sure, there's different technically trees you could go down on your character to kind of make them a little bit better. But even then, there's no campaign or story that even goes along with it, except like you guys are going hunting and you're going to try to be the best hunters there are. That's fantastic. If that's enough for you, perfect. Not for me. I need a lot more than that. And even when I look at the trees, the skill trees, you can look at one card and go, oh, you can get this thing. Or I look at the other card and go, or this is 10 times better. Which one should I take? Hmm. It's hard to decide. I think you take the one that's 10 times better, unless you want to give yourself disadvantage and make it a little bit harder. <laughs> there. I don't know. It's just, it, there were so many things that could have gone right in this game, but every time I played, I just don't have fun. And that's, I think, my biggest letdown. Yeah, that's a good choice. I, we played this together on the Twitch channel, which was fun because it's fun playing with you on Twitch anytime. Any game with your parent. But uh, this game, when we got done with it, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad I tried it. I can check that box, and I can not play this again, ever again, and I'll be happy about that. So just the uh, the theme is so interesting. Like this, your hunters, you can sneak up on these mechanical prey. They have different weaknesses you have to analyze. And like this cool, like, you can do so much with it. And just the execution of this game is just lackluster. It's just mm -hmm. not there. It, it totally just, was. And when we played on stream, we got totally wrecked. It was just unbelievable. I mean, and like you you saw the snowball effect. It's like, oh, I missed with two of my attacks. All the enemies are alerted. They're all charging us. It's just game over. It's also disappointing, too, because I'm a huge fan of, like, stealth games. And I love it when something gets, no, you get noticed in the game. An alert happens. But you have a chance to recover, right? And, and, and maybe go back and stealth or something. And that game, there's no chance. Once you're spotted, you're done. They, they already know you are. It's, it's over. And it just... Uh, 
come on. I knew, Barrett, that you didn't really love that game when you didn't immediately Marco Polo me and say, we should play this game. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually a sign of you like the game. Uh, It also probably probably sparked up something where I said, like, oh, I'm hoping to get more of this done on my channel, and it's never hit my channel again. Now that I got on this really terrible downage on Horizon Zero Dawn, I want to talk about Game of the Year. Now, I've got a Game of the Year, and I actually had a blast in this playing this game. I played this with myself and a couple other people. We had a fantastic job time actually playing through this entire campaign and that's jaws of the lion yes gloomhaven hit the list as number one but as jaws of the lion this came out in 2020 and i really enjoyed this i i love the characters in the game i like the cards the only thing is a little lacking was i thought it maybe was a little bit too uh it was easier than gloomhaven i think at times um but i think that was okay i think especially when i was trying to introduce these new players to Gloomhaven, which are now ready to play Gloomhaven after playing completely Jaws of Lion all the way through. I had a blast. Now, if you don't know what Jaws of Lion is or Gloomhaven, then I I, 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 I don't even know how to explain it. It's a huge, giant, epic dungeon crawling experience with a lot of card mechanics, and it's just a story that goes along with it, which is one of the shining moments of Jaws of Lion was a cohesive story that really kind of ran its course. And you got to experience the story with the four characters. You got to grow in love, and you didn't lose them like you do in Gloomhaven. But, of course, that's part of the charm of Gloomhaven itself. But in this one, being able to show these to the people out there that don't actually know how to play Gloomhaven or were terrified by Gloomhaven, this game was awesome. My friends had a blast. My wife had a blast. We went all the way through the story. I loved it. And even gave this little thing where you could still do the secret opening box. There's four extra secret boxes there. I'm not going to say what's in there, but they were awesome when we actually pulled out these things from those from those four boxes. It was super cool. I was really impressed by even what was in those boxes that they put in Jaws of Lion. So there you go. Game of the year, Jaws of Lion. I had a blast, played it all the way through. I think it's the only game in 2020 that I played from start to finish and had a blast doing it. Parent, this is totally unfair. That you totally you totally took mine. Yes! I'm going to do Jaws of the Lion. As, so, uh, great choice. And, but it's, it's fun because I've had a very different experience than you because what I did is I'm playing my regular Gloomhaven campaign. We've done a at least what 40 plays of of Gloomhaven together. What we decided to do is take our our actual characters and bring them into Jaws of the Lion and we're playing through the story because we were we were ready for a story to keep us going instead of having the randomness of no interconnecting stories in Gloomhaven. And so it's been a lot of fun to actually play characters that didn't even come with the game but play them within the Jaws of the Lion story and you know I've got to say the map being a, a an actual a, a book and having that so you just lay it out and then there's that extra book that you can use to to make the map so it's not just always two tiles long there's there's maybe two or three tiles long uh all of that innovation that they had in there the how you i mean you open up that that rule book and it tells you take these things put them in this bag and then put them over here in this part of your insert it's amazing just the attention to detail in that game uh to get anybody anybody ready to play gloomhaven phenomenal i just it is absolutely the game game of the year for me and just the way that it's made the, the story is not the best, but at least it's a story that's connected. And like you said, that really helps. That helps bring you back because we play Gloomhaven and we come back for the characters and that's a lot of fun. But we're always like, well, what the heck's happening? I don't know. Why are we going to this place? I don't know. Well, it's so nice to actually have that story. And I hope that Isaac understands that. And maybe with Frosthaven, we'll get something. But I doubt it. Uh, from what I understand, those aren't going to be connected but I, I just loved that. Um, so awesome that we had the same game of the year. Now I'm going to say I also have a expansion of the year and that's got to be Jagged Earth. I mean, come on. Spirit Island. I, I, I have to say what happened after I did a playthrough on our channel, we did a playthrough using the thematic side of the board with uh an adversary and a scenario. And I did that with my wife and one of my good friends, Timothy. And I made my wife stay up until three thirty, four o'clock in the morning recording those videos. And so she hated Spirit Island. So we didn't play Spirit Island after the, you know, the base game and Branch and Claw came out for over a year and a half. Jagged Earth came. I played it. I'm like, okay, Monica, just give it one more shot. And now she loves it. And uh, so... <laughs> 
I've learned not to do that to, to my wife, by the way. I don't do that to her anymore. She never does that. Thank goodness. Um, but I, Jagged Earth, absolutely phenomenal. Just adds so many great things to Spirit Island. Gave you exactly what you needed. More spirits? Check. A couple more uh, things, uh, different mechanics. Great, but not overwhelming. Check. A way to play six players. So someone like on our Discord can play six players solo. That would be Nick check <laughs> uh so yeah a great expansion the best expansion out there for 2020 so that's my expansion of the year i feel like you should jump in so with these lists i normally try to keep it restricted to just new games coming out and not necessarily talk about expansions but i did want to talk about an expansion in one of these slots and it would be game of the year and it is absolutely jagged earth because out of all my experiences in 2020 that by far was the best what that adds to the game was phenomenal. The amount of content you get in it, get in it, the the alterations to it, it's fantastic. The spirits are so so interesting in that one. They're higher complexity for sure. So I would not recommend jumping into the expansion right away. Make sure you're comfortable with the spirits in the core game before jumping over there. But honestly, that could be your first expansion before buying the Branch and Claw, which is the second expansion that came out for it. But I would skip over and get Jagged Earth just for the content and the experience that it gives you in that game. It is fantastic. I got it. I hit hit my table. It didn't leave my table because I kept it set up and just proceeded to play through all the new spirits and all the new, new content in that game and loved every moment of it. So, Steve, it sounds like you and I agree that that is one of the best expansions of the year. But I think we did leave Berndt out on the expansion list. So, Berndt, what was your favorite expansion in 2020? Oh, sure. I put on the spot. Favorite expansion of 2020. You know, there was a really awesome expansion that came out, and that was that was Folklore, Fall of the Spire. I've been waiting for this one to come out. Now, everything was awesome about that, except that it had molded it. But other than the fact that it had a bunch of mold in it, it was a fantastic expansion. It really kind of brought you into giving you some new characters, new villains. It gave a whole new set of stories. Now, I'm a big folklore fan. I think I'm probably the only one on the channel that's a huge folklore fan. My wife and I love it. And so having this expansion continued to make it go forward. Of course, I haven't got a playthrough out of it because I wasn't sure about that mold. Now that we have a clarification on the mold that it's not anything we have to worry about, you just clean it up and you're good, I'm going to start probably putting that on my channel. So I'm excited to get that out there. But yeah, I think that's my uh expansion of the year sadly it wasn't jagged earth it just didn't do anything for way to play jagged i played uh what is it spirit island once i'm 100 percent victorious in this game but i played <laughs> one that's my experience of spirit island would i play it again sure i'd play it again anytime but it's not something i own so it doesn't hit my table very often yeah and the expansions are fun to talk about but i also have to list my game of the year as well base game because that's the whole point of trying to do this list i think because uh, I include expansions. Honestly, it would probably wind up being a lot of living card games because we love our living card games here. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. I haven't played yet. I had it in my hands at the store. I was really tempted to pick it up because I want to play that game because it seems like the type of Gloomhaven experience I would prefer something that was actually digestible as opposed to like the 90s some plays of Gloomhaven, which you probably never get through because I. There's just so many games coming out. I struggle to have one game dominated table for so long. I always want to try to change things up and and have different different experiences. Uh, so, but the Jaws Alliance wait, is something I definitely wait, try. Steve, if that's the case, why are you into living card games? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sorry, I had to interrupt you there because that was just too good. <laughs> those living card games are yeah they keep in the table for sure so i've got enough of that i don't need more of that so <laughs> but yeah game of the year is something that everyone's going to hate me for but i gotta call it out because i've had different experiences than everyone else i think for the most part but i've loved this game and that is uh marvel united it is this one of the simplest games you can play like it is just there's no complexity to actually playing the game. I can show you a few things, and within the first like five ten minutes, you you know how to play. It's it's really really quick, and uh, quick to learn and quick to play. It takes about thirty minutes to play. But what I wasn't prepared for was how close my games were. I've had so many games where it's come down to, oh my goodness, I have to win on this turn. Or the next card flip is going to either win or lose the game. And 
that is a huge plus for me. It's so hard to find those games that come down to that wire. And this one has done that for me very, pretty consistently. Not every game. There are some flops in there every once in a while. But I'm always on the lookout for games that can achieve this to, to some degree. And this one does that. Now, the caveat is I don't play with the recommended set starting settings in the game. Because honestly, it's uh, it takes away a lot in the game. Because one, they have wild cards in the game, which completely devoid choice in my opinion and also removes the distinctiveness of each player each hero you're playing the game and the, the other thing i like notice too is the health value of the the villains the big boss you're trying to take down to win the game if you play on the two player level that health value that that to hit you can do it in one turn so there's not this Oh, I hit him. Someone's got to go and chase him around and finish him off or something. There's none of that happening. And so I always play at the three-player level as well. And honestly, if you play with the recommended solo mode in the rulebook and not this multi-handed solo that people like to do, that the recommended solo in the rulebook is, in my opinion, way better. Way better experience. It actually changes the game too. And I've had fun just playing it solo, which is surprising for something that I was expecting to just be a family and maybe even a kid's game. Now... Does it have a lot of staying power for me? Mm, I'm happy to have my collection, but it's going to need more to hit the table more frequently. Because after a while, I need to take a break to to wait until that I can explore more of it. So with the upcoming delivery, hopefully in 2021, um, in February, we'll see if, how Simon delivers that. Uh, we'll revisit this and see how those modules change. That increases the complexity, so maybe bring it to a game night and uh, more adults will like it. I don't know. But for me, even the core box expansion was, was fantastic enough or uh, it made my game of the year. Well, Steve, I'm uh, pretty excited. You like that game. I actually haven't tried it yet. I should, maybe I should play it on the, on our Twitch stream sometime. Yeah, we can do that. We can make it work remotely sometime. I'm so glad that Steve enjoys it. The game to me, it feels, it's just, it's too, it's too light for me. And that's, that's what really it is. I enjoy the game for what it is. And I was hoping that my son would really like it. The problem is, is it's cards and he likes dice right now. And so when he's playing a card down, he doesn't, you know, oh, I'm doing two damage. Well, don't I get to roll a die, dad? And like, no, 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 you're doing the two damage. It's on the card. Uh, and so it it didn't work as well for my, my uh, for Connor. I was thinking Connor would really enjoy it. Uh, so maybe when he gets a little bit older, actually, you know, maybe eight or nine, he might enjoy card play a little bit more, but right now he's much more into, I get to roll these dice and then I'll count up the things and see it. You know what I mean? So I'm just really glad that Steve, you enjoy it. And that's what matters. Yeah. The, the dice at that excitement value, right? And this is Marvel United really is a resource management type game because you only have so many of those icons in each deck. So you have to be cognizant of, is this the right time to play it or not? And that aspect gets lost on uh, younger kids. Like my son for sure is that way. He's like, oh, he wants to play Hulk because he's just like punching things all the time, which is fine. Exactly. <laughs> he's not doing that, right? Yeah. But um, he, he can play suboptimally even do that. And if I set on the easiest level, it's it's about right. You know, it's still pretty easy to play. But honestly, outside of that, and I, I crank it up for him too, to the harder difficult levels. And he can play fine that way as well, but we, we generally lose. But yeah, he, he's fine with that as well. Yeah, and I think the hardest thing is for for Connor, it's he gets the concept of, you know, you get the card before it and the current card that you're playing, so you get those two things, but it's just it's it's not interesting to him for whatever reason. And and I haven't quite figured out. So like we play Hellboy and he loves that one and he asks for that one all the time because you've got the dice and he loves the idea of upgrading his dice to different the different colors, you know, but but with the card play, he's just not interested in it. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't figured out why. But Yeah, that's interesting because my son is not transfixed on dice right now, but miniatures. I can't get him to play a game without miniatures right now. It's like, come on, let's play this game. You'll like it. It'll be fun. Does it have guys in it? Or No, no guys in it. I don't play it. I don't like it. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> just, just put a guy on it. Just put it. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just put in the game. <laughs> That's not how it works. I'm like, I don't care. Just, just play this game. Come on. <laughs> so. I would definitely be like, does it have guys in it? Absolutely. And I just ran, ran, grab random guys. So this guy, <laughs> it, it, this is what it does. I'm going to make something up. And then, you know. 
<laughs> it, it, that kind of reminds me of how I got uh, Marvel Champions to my son Ridley. He has a whole superhero collection of those little uh, uh, company. I forget which one that makes all the miniatures. So of course, as he's playing cards, like, oh, I'll be right back. Hold on, here's War Machine. Boom, puts him right on the card. I'm like, yep, that's War Machine. He, that's pretty awesome that you got him on the card. They'll play like, oh, and I'm gonna play like Vision. Oh, I've got Vision. He runs. Boom, Vision hits the table. Like, I didn't even know you had a Vision action figure. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Problem with that is two two rounds later they're destroyed because they're allies, right? They're gone. Oh, you know how hard that was to explain too. Yeah. I'm like, well, no, you can attack with War Machine. Okay, he's gonna take one damage. Well, how do I get that up? Well, he 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 doesn't. He just he's gonna go away. I don't <laughs> want to go away. He's my favorite guy. I'm like, well, it's not the War Machine deck. It's the <laughs> Iron Man deck. War Machine <laughs> might come back a little bit later. He has to go fight another villain right now. <laughs> yeah, he's just busy dealing with something else. That's what's happening. Yeah. Oh man. So that's going to kind of conclude the 2020 year, but now let's talk about 2021 real quick. And what is our most anticipated game that we know about, at least, coming out in 2021? Now, some of these may not come in 2021 due to delays and deliveries or whatever, but that's fine. We're going to take our best guess. But for me, the actual answer for me is Isofarian Guard because, oh my gosh, this game. This game, I cannot wait for it. It is like everything I've wanted in a game for the most part, like it is sounds phenomenal, but I did say that for last year, most anticipated game. It is still truly my most anticipated game right now, but I'm going to have another one in my back pocket pull out that I know is coming uh, early 2021. And this one is a game you probably haven't heard of. I did do a Kickstarter preview of it back in the day. And this was one of those rare games that I did not want to send a preview copy, a demo copy to another reviewer because I liked it that much. And that is Ratcatcher. This is the first game in Platypus Industries uh, line that they've made, and there's more coming. And I just really enjoyed it. It's a it's a solo only game, which I said before is I don't really gravitate towards solo only games, but this one, for whatever reason, checked all the boxes for me. But you're playing as basically a Pied Piper in a uh, I don't know, like a London district, basically. And there is magical cheese all over the place. And magical cheese you're trying to gather for yourself to make yourself more powerful. You can literally level up and upgrade yourself. But rats out there are trying to eat it as well. And they also level up and power up as well. And so you're trying to get uh, 10 magical cheese. Or if the boss spawns, you're trying to kill the boss to win the game. And the rats are trying to do the same. If they get 10 magical cheese, they win the game. Or if the boss, or basically you die, if any of the rats kill you, they win. So it's a very, very uh, symmetric win condition for you and the, the game itself. And it is just so much fun to play. Steve, I have to say it's all because of you that I backed that game. I watched your playthrough and then immediately went to the back now button. <laughs> I was not expecting to back a game about rat catching because I was thinking, what type of theme is that? And then watching it, I totally got enthralled and ended up ordering that one. So I'm super excited for that one too. So Barrett, uh, what's your most anticipated game? Steve, this was so hard because pretty much all my anticipated games of this year coming up should have came out last year, but well, sadly 2020 wasn't exactly the best uh, year for producing games when, because of all the things going on in the world. Um, I mean, where should I start? Do I start with Earthsworn? Do I start with Aeon's Trespass? Where's my Sword and Sorcery uh, edition? Come on, all those games, come on. Where are they? Bloodborne, where is it? These are all on my anticipated list because they should have probably come out by now if it wasn't for what happened this year. Um, so I'm actually going to skip all those because those should have come out. And I think I talked about them probably last year at this time. What I am going to go with for this year is, it, it's kind of probably a little bit troubling because you're going to say, really, another one? is uh, I don't know how I can't keep getting away from Awakened Realms. I, that ISS Vanguard, I'm pumped for that game. I'm looking for a fun space adventure game. And if you notice, Etherfield didn't make my list this year. And the only reason it had, didn't make my list is because I've really only played that intro scenario. I'm starting, I'm planning to start the actual campaign in January. So I couldn't put it anywhere in this year because I hadn't played it enough to really talk about it. So I'm still looking forward to ice this ISS Vanguard. I think it's going to be fantastic. Now, there's a lot of other games out there that I'm looking forward to. Like the Ghost Betwixt is coming as well. That game is going to be fantastic. That's a family dungeon crawler type game with a really cool, like, unique story and a, a really cool dice mechanic where it's similar to the way Madara did it, where their dice are different based on what 
like color you're rolling so they, they have a lot better like dice things um sleeping gods of course is coming as well oh that one's gonna be awesome again all these should have been out this year but which i think is one of the reasons it's been hard for me to really think of some great 2020 games i mean i don't think if i had to put this list against 2019 it would have been as strong um and i don't know if you guys feel that way as well but I'm looking forward to a lot of things coming in 2021. I'll go with ISS Vanguard, but that entire list is pretty much going to be unstoppable next year if those all come out. I don't even know where and how I'm going to play them. I might have to retire. I don't know, which isn't going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say, Barrett, the reason why Etherfields was not on your list is because it's your COVID game. <laughs> You were learning it when you were you had COVID. And remember what I told you. When I was learning a game when I was really sick, it sticks with you. And so you just don't like the game, even though the game might be good. I'm just saying. Oh, you're totally <laughs> right. I, I got that game. And I think two days later, I was diagnosed with COVID and I was down for eight days. And it was just, it was bad, bad news. But like Colin said, during that time, I was trying to still kind of learn this game with the little energy I had. And I'm trying to kind of play through it. And I even, I even poloed Marco Polo, which is an app that we use to talk back and forth, all of us do. And I actually, like, with Polo, I'm going, like, I don't get this game, man. I, none of these rules make any sense. I can't see it. Oh, this is so hard. And then, of course, as soon as I got over COVID, I started playing through the intro. And I pulled him right back after I was done. I'm like, this game's awesome. It totally makes sense. These rules are great. <laughs> I couldn't believe I even tried to do anything except just try to get better when I had COVID. But yeah, I think you might be right. I think I've been kind of putting it off because of that. And, you know, also just all these other games are finally coming and it's fun to be able to play all these things. I find it interesting you picked ISIS Vanguard because for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just the ones I'm aware of or not, but there seems to be a lot of space sci-fi games coming out or plan to come out in 2021 because like that one came out and then there was a USS Freedom is one we demoed on Twitch with the designer that, that was coming out, uh, Stars of Akirios, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, that used to yeah, be called Starlight. That right. Yeah, that one looks pretty cool, too. I'm pretty excited for that one as well. I, I forgot to put that on my list. That's on there. It's one of the ones coming out. Yeah, and it's just, I I like this sci-fi uh, focus that we've seen lately. I, I want to see more of that. Not that I don't like fantasy, but I like sci-fi, too. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that as a trend. Steve, I, I, I'm kind of worried. I've been keeping up with uh, ISO Ferengard, and I, I'm really worried. You might not even see it next year. I mean, it has a lot of cool potential, and they're working hard to make it perfect, but I still see a lot of production they got to do. So I'm super stoked for ISO Ferengard, but when I interviewed Eric from Sky Kingdom Games, he mentioned that he was going to delay that product as much as needed to make sure it was perfect before it reached us. And and I know some people are like, uh, may not like that, but for me, this is a game. I'm okay waiting until it's ready to receive it. And everything I've seen this doing for this, this is going to be a huge production. The They are leveraging Forteller for this. I know some of you may have used that for Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven was the first to release, I believe. But I believe, I'm not positive, that they were working with Forteller on Otso Farron before that. And the amount of audio they're recording for that is ridiculous it is an insane amount of hours to record and the fact i mean if you're not familiar with this game it is an open world exploration game which i actually love it's basically like skyrim in a box uh in a, in a sense and i cannot wait for this and this is just like one part of the world and i i really hope it does well and it becomes what i want it to be so they can you know have more of the world to add to this, to have more areas to explore, because this is all based off of a role-playing game world that that uh, they created their, their own. So this is just one part of it. And if they could like take this and combine it with the rest of the world and have this huge epic experience, oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, I really see a lot for this game. This game is gonna be awesome when it comes out. I just, I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna hit this time, but this this year. And I've, if that's because they want perfection, I'm all for it. I'm a strong believer in hold it to make it perfect. Yep, me too. We have enough games, right? It's not like I am dying to not have an Isofarian guard. You know, I can wait to actually have a better produced game. We've seen games that have come out 
uh, maybe Reichbusters would be an example that maybe needed uh-huh. a little more time in the oven and would may have been a much better game had they spent that time. So I'm totally with you. Take the time, make the game right. I have enough games to keep me happy. Absolutely. So you guys have listed a ton of great games. I, I There's a couple that I can add. Uh, the Trudvog Legends is one that I am still really excited for. They're totally revamping everything ever since Eric Lang left. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but the updates sound really promising that I'm seeing. I am super excited. We probably won't see that until 2022, to be fair, but that one I am still excited for. I like the idea you're going to have an actual board that has spaces you slot cards into and permanently change the land of which you're playing at. Super cool. Love that idea. Sleeping Gods, Barrett mentioned. I am so excited. I played that print and play, and then I gave it to Barrett. And you know what? Barrett hasn't played it yet. I'm really mad at him about that. Uh, so I am super excited about that, though. Playing that, playing the print and play has gotten me is super excited on how that game works. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited to play that with my wife. The Isolfarian Guard, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but that's definitely one that's on my list. I'm also really excited for Return to Dark Tower. I know it sounds funny. I didn't have the old version of that game, but the new version being fully cooperative, having that tower in the center, my son is just going to explode with excitement when he sees that and that thing is spitting things out at you. Uh, I cannot wait. And all the updates that they're showing about that one look so cool. Um, And you can't. You can't talk about 2021 without talking about Frosthaven. I'm amazed. I guess these two are a little bit uh, behind the times. But Frosthaven coming out in 2021, hopefully, that will be absolutely phenomenal. I know Barrett backed it. I understand that Steve isn't as much of a Gloomhaven fan, so I I get that. Uh, But super excited for Frosthaven, hoping that... I mean, I know that the the characters are going to be even more interesting and unique. I'm just hoping that maybe we'll have a connected story, or at least somewhat more of a connected story. I guess we'll see. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about was Uprising, The Curse of the Last Emperor. Mike did a playthrough of that one. It's a, it's a 4K game, but it's it's a it's a cooperative game. I thought it looked really cool. I love the idea uh, of that game, and I'm really excited for that one. So those would be the ones that I'm most looking forward to in 2021. Well, see, Colin, I didn't mention Frosthaven because I needed something for you to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) As you noticed, I didn't have a problem figuring out other games to talk about, sir. Thank you very much. I didn't even talk about the new Dungeon Fighter. I know that's ridiculous, but Dungeon Fighter, you guys, is so much fun. Uh, My son and I love playing that game. We're trying to bounce dice into targets, and they've got ones now that use D8s, D12s, D4s. Uh, It's just going to be so much ridiculous fun. So that's a, that's another one that I'm excited for. So you see, I have more games than you can imagine. <laughs> oh, you know, that's the good thing about 2022 or 2021 coming up is there is so much on the radar. I mean, we've just probably cracked the shell of all the cool things that are hopefully coming out in 2021. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the delays that happened in 2020 that now those games are being pushed into 2021 along with the stuff we're going to we were probably planning to get in 2021 that say it through Kickstarter or through just the general idea of production through game companies themselves and where they're going with their games. So I think 2021, you're going to see a huge influx of fantastic, awesome games. And I'm really excited to dig into these. Yeah, I completely agree. I cannot wait. There's just so many games we'll talk about. We even mentioned a lot of them. I want to talk about Company of Heroes. That's something we just, it never gets brought up, but that game, like the, this might be one of the war games I've been waiting for to see. It's the, the miniatures, the the buildings where you can like position yourself, have battles within the buildings of that, and oh my gosh, cannot wait. Luckily, Elijah like went all in on that one, so I'm really excited to talk about that one. Especially if I have a fully co-op way of playing that one. Oh, yes. Oh. And then we have uh, new V Commandos coming out next year. I don't know what that's about exactly, but oh, I love that game too. And Oh, man. we Oh, and Assassin's Creed. That should be coming out as well. There's just so much to talk about. And I feel like, at least for me, 2020 game-wise was uh, a bit of a letdown, honestly. (laughs) So I'm hoping 2021 makes up for it. It's hard for me to say that, though, when I think of my top list. When I think of Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, and Jagged Earth, do I need any more games of the year for 2020? I don't think so. I mean, those two could satisfy me for a full year easily. So that's... I. To a point, I agree with you, but I still feel like 2020 was solid in its own rights. I 
I think maybe I agree with you that there are some really good games that came out, but maybe not the breadth I'm, I was hoping for. But this also could be a factor of just, honestly, the pandemic had a big impact on how I play games personally, because I, I play games as a social nature, and I, obviously, with the pandemic, I'm not able to, to socialize nearly as much as I have in the past. Yeah, not to mention it just slowed down production of games and everything like that as well. So it just made it more of a challenge to get new games out in 2020. So that's going to wrap up our 2020 Reflection episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And thanks, Barrett and Colin, for joining. Or, so to say, Aragorn and Bericles for joining. Hercules! Come on, half bear, half Hercules. Come on, get it right. <laughs> Never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> our pleasure, Steve Kingsley. That's right. It's a blast to be here, Steve. It's a blast. Maybe I should say blast. It's a blast to be here. <laughs> Love to hang out with you guys, talking games, having fun. Man, it's just like feels like it's just so much fun to do this. I can't can't say it enough. It's kind of ridiculous. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.